Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Second Chance, a podcast that explores the notion of second chance. What is a second chance? Who deserves a second chance? And who decides whether someone is even worthy of a second chance? My name is Raphael Rowe and on this episode I speak with Lennox Rogers, whose brutal childhood shaped the violent criminal he became. Lennox's journey from armed robber to ruthless enforcer for an organised crime syndicate ended where most of these journeys end up in prison or in the gutter. Financially broke and mentally broken, Lennox found a new path. Today, he is a reformed man, using his life experience to help steer young people away from the criminal justice system. I want to start by asking you about your childhood, because I suppose stories like yours always start with your experience as a child. So tell me a little bit about where you grew up, where you're from, what your background, heritage is, etc. My family is from the Caribbean. They're from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I grew up in Oxford. I was the only one of my family born here. I've got seven sisters. And the doctor told my mum after having sort of like three girls, don't have any more. And she she used to joke with me and say, I, I prayed and prayed for a boy and got a little devil like you. So um, I'm the eighth child. <laughs> um, and uh, I grew up um, in Oxford, which was very difficult. Um, it was very racist in my um, area. There wasn't a lot of black people. And um, where I lived, there was gangs everywhere. They didn't call them... Um, gangs like we do today they called them boot boys there was a lot of skinhead gangs there was um gangs that were teddy boys mods um so proper old school and you still saw signs on the windows of um places that were renting rooms no blacks no chinese no indians 
no Irish, no dogs. I went to school and it was very racist. It was blacks against whites. Someone would stand in the middle of a playground in my school every day and shout blacks against whites. And all the um, white children would go to one end of the playground and the rest of us would be at the other end. The only people that would fight on our side were the Scots and the Irish. <laughs> Probably because they wanted an excuse to fight the English. I don't know. But what was very sad was there were teachers in the classrooms and they were watching this um, big fight every day, Monday to Friday, from um, half past eight till nine o'clock. And um, they... Um, they looked like they were placing bets, some of them. But um, so we would get a beating. And I was very naive because um, <clears throat> they called me names and they told me that I was from the jungle and things like that. And I didn't realise at first that they were being racist to me. It was um, a, a friend of mine who um, pointed out that, you know, because I used to question myself, well, I don't remember living in the jungle or swinging from trees. <laughs> I was so naive and I could look back and laugh. But um, at the time, you know, looking back, it, it was quite hurtful. Most people who, who think of Oxford think of this kind of highly educated university in the UK where racism or issues of racism wouldn't be a, a, an issue because it's a place of education. But I suppose there is a whole world outside of Oxford universities, and that was part of the world that you grew up in. Yeah, it was, you know, I experienced this from the age of six, seven, right through to till I left school at 17. So I had that experience, and during that time, I was also being sexually abused by um, my godfather. You know, I had problems at home. My parents were very strict. The relationship broke down between us. And I was getting a lot of abuse from um, the kids in the community. So it sounds to me like every adult around you had a negative impact on you. Were there no adults around you that were trying to help you in any way? The adults that were positive around me now... You could count on one hand. There was one headmistress who was very good. But I also had one of my friends, mixed race, his mum and dad took me in. I used to call for my friend because I couldn't stay home. It was so um, abusive at home, domestic violence. Um, and so I would call for my friend for school around six o'clock in the morning and school didn't start till nine. And his mum would get me inside. Um, she would wash me and change me and make me presentable for school and feed me. Tell me about when you started stealing and why you started stealing. The relationship broke down with my family is because I, I tried to take the English culture into a Caribbean home and their culture. 
and also I wasn't allowed. Um, uh, my friends had toys and things like that. If someone lent me a car, a toy or something, I'd have to give it back. I was around people that had um, all these nice toys and things that you have as, child, as a child, and I, I didn't. So I started stealing from a young age. Um, I think I started stealing from the home. Like we had these um, a, a meter on the TV and an electric meter as well. And I started breaking into the the uh, meter on the back of the TV and getting these 50p's. And I was a terrible criminal <laughs> to start with. I left a lot of evidence and uh, I couldn't understand why my parents seemed to know it was me. It was like eating a jar of uh, uh, chocolate spread and it's over your face. And you say, no, I never touched it. <laughs> <laughs> I stole from the teachers and they, the, the whole school found out. So in the community, they started calling me Steeler. Um, eventually I was put into care. I was put into the care system and because um, my parents couldn't cope. I went to children's homes, assessment centres, observation assessment. I went through all the um, homes and places in the care system in and around Oxford. And then eventually they sent me all the way in Hampshire. It was like St Trinian's for boys. How old were you at this point? I went there from the age of um, 12. So you were in the care system from the age of 12. That was when your, your parents almost gave up on you. It, it was decided um, just before I turned 12 to be in the care system. Was that to protect you from the physical abuse you were getting from your parents and the sexual abuse you were getting from a relative? Or was it because of your unruly behaviour or a combination of the two? It was a combination. My mum also, she didn't want me. And um, she made that very clear when I ran away from one of the children's homes. But I, I was raped by my abuser at the age of 12 and it had a very strong impact on me. I was in the system, in the care system, moving from children's home and places and I ran away. I ran to my abuser for help and got raped and I swore to myself, no one is ever going to hurt me again. And I developed this rage and um, it escalated. I, I started um, really proper standing up for myself. You had to fight with your hands a lot for many years, but then eventually I, I started carrying a knife and stabbing people. Just, just talk me through what your life was like as a teenager and, and when was the first time that you got in serious trouble with the police? One police officer tried to talk to me and say, he said, Lennox, you're like a snowball at the top of the hill. You're just a little tiny snowball. But when the snowball is rolled down the hill, it becomes big. And he was trying to tell me that if you, right now, you're doing petty crime. But if you don't stop, you know, before you get too old, you're going to be doing more serious crime. So. I mean, I was arrested for armed robbery um, 
you know, when I left the approved school um, at 17, um, I, I'd um, got involved with one of my sister's boyfriends and he was um, going to commit an armed robbery and he wanted help. And I um, kept saying I would do it, but never did. And, you know, during the times I would come home from this approved school for school holidays, it was weird because my dad was going through a lot of problems. Um, the family was, and it, it broke him down. It was like a Kit Kat break. We would end up downstairs having a cigarette together and we were like father and son for a brief moment and I heard about some of the problems he had and I saw my dad cry while he was talking to me and it I, I just wanted to help that pushed me over the edge and I went to commit this armed robbery and the person, my sister's boyfriend, he didn't believe I was going to do it, but I did it. After a conversation with your old man about his problems, you obviously felt that you needed to financially support him. So that's when you agreed to do this armed robbery. And this armed robbery that you did, was that a, what, what kind of robbery? What weapons did you have? Did anybody get hurt? Uh, how much money did you make from it or wasn't it money? Was it something else? Just talk me through the actual crime you committed. The armed robbery was, um, there were two people coming from a shop with um, a week's takings and they were going to the post office. I wasn't sure how much money was supposed to be there. It wasn't a lot of money in today's money, a thousand pounds I think I got it. Um, from it um, and um, I borrowed my friend's overalls he had a spare set of overalls that he used um, for working on the lorries and um, I had a hat and I didn't have a mask and I, I tried to choose a blind spot where they were going to walk by I just took a simple kitchen knife it wasn't a particularly long knife and I had it in my pocket and I think I even cut myself trying to um when I put it in my pocket because it had a sharp point the plan was I was thinking how do you make someone let go of something and I thought if I could um you know stab them in the hand or you know the sh the, the quick pain it might they might feel there might be they might let go of the grip of the bag. And these two women turned up, not a man and a woman, like on previous occasion, two women came from the shop and they, um, and when they came to where I was hiding, um, I, um, uh, tried to prick, uh, stab the woman's hand so she'd let go and she'd let go. A, a bit of it and we were in this tug of a war at first and um and then I managed to win that tug of war and um grab the bag and run afterwards I got to my sister's flat where I was staying and I threw the money up in the air and that you know and I started to try and help my family out 
And was that the first and last robbery you committed? I did 22 armed robberies. Of a similar nature? I used guns and knives. I did armed robberies. I did burglaries. I did fraud. I did a lot of different crimes. I did drug dealing. I was headhunted by two gangs. So the first gang that wanted me to be on their team was a drug dealing gang. And because of my, I had a reputation for violence. I had such a rage. Uh, I, I put a lot of people in hospital, um, through stabbings and, um, I was just so angry. I wouldn't let anybody make me feel like they're having a go at me and not front them and um, do something. And then, so they wanted me as an enforcer and they used me to get their money back from drug dealers. They, they, um, drug dealers would come to them and get maybe um, a few ounces on credit. And if they didn't pay when they were supposed to, they would send me to get the money. And I always got the money. They also sent me to places like Brixton to, um, with thousands of pounds to buy drugs from certain drug dealers in Brixton. And there would be gangs outside waiting like they normally do to rob the customers. But they, they never touch me because of my, acts of violence, people started coming to me with their grievances and they wanted me, they wanted to pay me or for me to help them out. I mean, these single mums on an estate used to come to me and because they, when after their kids were put to bed, they wanted um, to just relax, have a bath, have a spliff. And this particular drug dealer was robbing them of their money. He would give them less for their money and everything, and they, they just couldn't afford it. So um, I, um, you know, approached him um, and had a fight with him, went to his house afterwards because he ran away, and um, I, I stabbed him quite a few times, but not life-threatening, and I took his money and his drugs. What did it feel like? I mean, I don't want to glorify the act of stabbing someone, but I do want people to understand what it feels like from a perpetrator's point of view. I mean, you, you'd had a fight, you'd gone away, but as a man, a young man with rage, you, you took it upon yourself to go after him with a knife and then inflict even more pain. That is That takes some doing, Lennox. Yeah, um... I don't think for me that it was um, a really nice feeling um, because I was carrying so much, so much baggage, so much damage, um, abuse, um, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. It just gave me a brief relief. And then you worry about the consequences after, but I stopped worrying about it. And I think that scared some people in that I didn't, I was, I, I was prepared to go to prison. I, I, I went to, I was in and out of prison for 21 years. I went to 16 different prisons. You had to stand up for myself against hardened criminals, armed robbers, murderers. 
it wasn't a great feeling for me. I, I um to to stab someone. Um, I just um fooled myself because I smoked lots of drugs. Um, I fooled myself um to believe that I was in the right. I was doing the right thing. I was justified. I, I felt bad if I stabbed someone for no reason. Can you remember how many people you stabbed in in your life? But um, I've been able to approach one guy who I stabbed and was able to ask him to forgive me. And um, he forgave me. Um, And it was really... It was really an emotional time to talk to this guy. He was a criminal too, but it didn't make me feel that it was okay because you stabbed another criminal. It, it was emotional to get the opportunity to um, go to someone that, right or wrong, I had injured with a knife. Um, this particular guy had stabbed in the face, and I felt justified because he was having a fight with one of my friends and I went and broke it up and he didn't like it because my friend was white and he was black and he said, we should stick together. And I said, no, it don't, it don't work like that with me. And so he told the police, he, he, he lied to the police about my involvement. Um, I got sent to prison on remand. And whilst I was on remand, my father died. That filled me with more rage because I, been able to, whilst I was in prison, I had been able to have some reconciliation with my mum and dad. I wrote to them in the Caribbean and we we kind of apologised for some of the things that shouldn't have happened, really. And um, so he robbed me of this opportunity. So we, we had a fight and when I stabbed him, the knife broke in his face some people would say, well, I was in the right because he got me locked up just for breaking up a fight. Um, and my father died and he robbed me of an opportunity to see my dad. But, but I had to let all that go and ask him, you know, I'm sorry for what I did to you. I suppose the, the, the criminal world is very different from the law-abiding employment world, you know, it, it takes some experience to know what it's like. I mean, people probably can't comprehend. It's an eye for an eye, and people feel, well, they deserved it, and some people feel good that they were able to do that. You know, when you get revenge, there is a sweetness to it. I had the sweetness, but... I was also still carrying a lot of emotional damage and I was on drugs and it it just, I just felt it made me more evil and violent. Were you a drug addict or just a, a recreational user? I smoked cannabis like cigarettes. So I would say that I was dependent on it. First time you went to prison, what was that for and how long was that, that sentence? You talked about being on remand for for something, but, you know, when did you do your first real prison time? Well, 
it was the early 80s. I had a domestic situation at first, um, and I was going to lose my daughter, or so I believed, and I got into an argument with her mum and sister. I can't justify my actions um, because I made some wrong choices, but the long and short of it was that I ended up taking an axe to my daughter's mum and um, I didn't use the sharp end of the axe. I knocked her out with it and um, and then I was going to suffocate her with a cushion and I then felt remorseful and then realised the severity of my situation and tried to make it look like a suicide, which made me look like such an idiot in court. The long and short of it was I ended up with two and a half years or something like that. And that's a terrible case, and I'm glad that your your daughter's mother, you know, survive that incident given the rage that was inside you so given all your history in terms of violence stabbing people drug dealing uh, uh, and robberies it was actually a domestic incident that led to your first time in prison it was yeah um I was still very angry but I in the end I had a change of heart and me and my daughter's mum, we started to get along. Saying sorry isn't enough. Um, I've hurt a lot of people and saying sorry wasn't enough. And um, trying to be a father whilst my daughter had grown up um, was was good, but um, it wasn't enough. Tell me a little bit more about your, your life involved in, in gang culture. I used to go to a pub the criminals called it the labor exchange because um it was a place where criminals could get work people will tell you oh there's a burglary so and so place you could do there's armed robbery people talked about crimes in this pub and so you could get work well there was a a guy who um was from oxford but um, had big connections in London and he was part of an organised crime gang. So um, he introduced me to a small part of the gang and it, um, we went to this, To we used to go every week to this posh um, kind of uh, bar. It was like a gentleman's club, it looked like. But... Um, we used to go there every week and there were bankers, there were business people and um, there were police involved in the gang. There were solicitors, there were East End gangsters, there were um, uh, even politician. Um, the, this gang, they were into all sorts of things. I did a lot of my armed robberies through them. They had people in lots of places. So I used to go to, I met, I met um, someone from the bank 
from a particular bank and they worked at the bank and they used to tell me what business was coming to the bank on what day and with how much money. And I would find the blind spot and I would relieve them of the money. What sort of money are we talking about, Lennox? It varied. Um, the lowest amount would be sort of five, six grand to, you know, um, 10, um, 15 grand. Um, in total, 50 or 60 grand or so. But, uh, you know, luckily I've got to keep a good part of the money. This was one of the biggest drugs ring I'd ever come across. It was a headquarters of um, drug dealers. There were um, people involved from the baggage handler to management. And um, you just wouldn't know. You just saw ordinary people. And um, so I was introduced to them to to get some drugs as well. And um, it just was very... It was a big eye-opener to see. Um, Were you ever caught for any of the robberies or, or drug dealing that you got involved in? Uh, I didn't get caught, no. I did a job um, that involved me being shown by the manageress um, a safe and where their combination is kept. I had an accomplice who was very slim and able to fit through a small window, which was left open for us. Um, the job was supposed to take place on a Saturday whilst the football was on, so the police were occupied and the streets were, weren't so busy. And the other manager, he just shut the safe. He didn't lock it. And my accomplice, when he got in, he started turning the numbers. He... he Three hours, three hours I was waiting for my accomplice. But there was something in the safe, apart from the money and traveller's checks and everything that we could have had. You know, there was quite a lot of money. There was something in the safe that these people wanted. My accomplice tried to tell me that he didn't get in the safe. The organised crime gang began to see me as a liability, um, I think. So um, I started to um, get a bit of uh, bad treatment from them, you know, and I had a falling out with one of the guys. Um, You see, because your behaviour when you're using drugs can sometimes be irrational. And and were you using more than cannabis, more than smoking a joint by now? There were times I had some cocaine. And, um, you know, uh, during my criminal times, I've done a lot of um, ecstasy as well. I've tried, I haven't tried heroin and crack because I've seen some very big hardened criminals who ended up on heroin and crack, especially the crack cocaine. And it just ruined them completely. And you can't afford as a criminal to um, lose that edge of being able to defend yourself. Let me just ask you, Lennox, about your your time in prison, because you mentioned 
spending 21 years of your life in and out of prison for various different crimes. You've only mentioned serving two and a half years for a domestic incident, domestic violence, um, which you no doubtedly deserve to go to prison. So so most of your prison time was for, for violent attacks. Every time I did violence, I was looking at a life sentence. It was always, if it wasn't murder or attempted murder, which I have been um, accused of, um, it was grievous bodily harm with intent, which carries a life sentence. There were some drug offences and, and, and fraud um, as well. Just tell me briefly what it was like in prison for you. It's like another world. Prison, you get fed twice a day. We, when I first started prison and that, I mean, you, you, you had to go to the toilet in a bucket. I waited four days to go to the toilet because um, it was so degrading. But it was, um, you, you have to learn how to live in prison. You have to learn how things are done. Um, and it was, um, it was a scary place. You, you're mixed in with all kinds of violent people and people with mental health issues. And it's a very difficult place to get used to. Um, the abuses that go on, if you have an argument or a disagreement with a prison officer, they might not let you out of your cell or they might, you know, do something to, um, cause you to have a bit more of a tougher time but my experiences of prison was very difficult the food was bad if you was to get potatoes you still saw a lot of the black it was hard it was very bland food um so it's very hard to get used to um there was a lot of fights there was sex in prison there were guys who um you know sexually abused other guys um and there were initiations, um, you, you know, um, sticking someone's head in a bucket of water and um, get uh, pouring red ink in, getting a comb and run it across the neck. There was a shower um, once a week. I was bullied by drug dealers because I was a cleaner. Um, to they would pass their drugs under the door. I would have to take it, take it with the mop, pretend I'm mopping outside um, certain other people's doors and pass them the drugs. There were things like that. Um, there were lots of fights, and people made weapons out of um, toothbrushes, and um, they broke open their razors and. Um, you know, made blades, and they used to stick the blades quite close together, um, so that when they cut you, um, it it couldn't you couldn't stitch it. it, it couldn't heal, or you'd get um hot water and sugar thrown in your face whilst they're giving you a kicking. Um, it was another world. It's an experience I wouldn't wish on anyone. What turned your life around, Lennox? What, 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 where did that and when did that moment came when, when you gave up a life of crime and started doing something different in your life? I had lost everything, family, friends, even with the gangs, because like people you think uh, your family um, or friends, you, you know, they're rarely not when when um things happen you know you or when you go to prison you find out who your friends are 
And so I was on, homeless on the streets of Oxford Street in in London. And um, uh, I was going to die. My body started to shut down and I didn't want to die on the streets. And I decided to commit a stabbing to get me locked up. I had sunk so low. It took me a week to find someone to stab. So I found someone um, and late at night. And um, after stabbing this guy, I ran and I ran down what I thought was an alley. And while I was down this alley, I just had this experience that really... You just stabbed this random stranger and then just ran away, hoping you'd get arrested? Uh, he went to the cash point and while he was at the cash point I said oh mate you got any spare change and as he turned I went to stab him and that's what happened were you trying to rob him I thought about it because he dropped his wallet but I thought hang on I want to go to prison Um, this time round I was the only person who, who wanted to be in prison well, I ran down this alley and something, something happened to me in this alley and it made me get up from where I was and go and hand myself into the police. And um, the police, they stuck me in an interview room and they wanted to know all my story and I, I reeled it off to them. It took a very long time um, and... Um, they they wanted to help me. They said, we'll get you the best help. But I said, I, I don't want your help. I just want to go to prison. I just want to bury myself in, in the prison system. You, you were obviously suffering severely from mental health issues at, at, at this point. And it must be something that you, you'd suffered throughout your life, having experienced what you did as a child. Is that why the police wanted to help you? I think the police felt sorry for me. I um, There were... Um, traits of mental health issues through using drugs and the abuses I had. But the police genuinely wanted to help me, um, which was really weird. They they had never really wanted to do that before. And um, they used to be happy with the times I get sent down, but they um, they wanted to help me. They listened to my story and... I had an experience that people can read about in my book, Breaking Better, that made me get up from where I was and turn my life around. It was um, a life-changing experience. You, you know, you have to sort of experience it to, to believe it. Um, you, you know, um, to I was in this alley. I was broken. I was crying. and. Uh, I even started to think, oh, God, please help this guy that I stabbed, innocent victim. You know, um, the judge, he was supposed to give me a life sentence because I wrote to the judge and I told him that I was guilty. I said, throw away the key. I deserve to get life. And um, he gave me three years. When you served that sentence and you came out, is that when you changed? That was the last prison sentence? That was the last crime you committed? 
I changed, I changed in the alley. If you could have some experience, if, if, if you had an experience that would change your life, you know, because I was going to die. I was on the streets of London. I'd been homeless a while. And um, my body started to be affected by the cold. I was sleeping standing up. I would fall over on my face where I was sleeping standing up. Um, you know, uh, it was really a tough time being homeless. And uh, there's a lot more details to the things I've said to you, you know. I'm, I'm sure there is. Just tell me then, who is Lennox Rogers today? Lennox Rogers is a reformed character, um, an ex-offender um, who has turned his life around. Um, and uh, I use my lived experiences to help other people make right choices um, help them change their thinking so they can um, make right choices as well. I use my experiences to show them, you know, that I've been there and done it and how you can get out of things. And um, I'm an author. I'm married to a beautiful, lovely woman. Um, and um, we've been running our charity for 15 years. Um, you know, we work in Kent and London and various other places to help young people that are at risk of going down the criminal justice system. We work in schools and everything, um, do a lot of one-to-ones out in the community. So Lennox Rogers is um, a reformed guy. What does second chance mean to you? And do you believe that you've been given a second chance and are giving other people a second chance? Second chance is everything. It, it, it's my life. Without a second chance, um, I just wouldn't be here. I would have been wasting away in prison. I could, or I could have even been dead. But I believe that um, everyone deserves a second chance. Um, you know, if they want to change. If you don't want to change, then having a second chance won't do anything. And it's not about how the things you go through. It's about you know you will get knocked down you will get knocked back bad things may happen but it's how you choose to get up from that i know a lot of people that not just we've helped but other people who have been helped and given a second chance and their life is just amazing now and the work they do and how they help other people transition to um you know from where they are and um have a second chance so it means the world to me to have a second chance it's I just wouldn't be here without someone giving me that chance, that judge, you know, or some of the um, people in my life who um, have talked to me um, and not punished me um, the way they should have and have given me a chance, um, you know, having all that has, has just been everything. It's, it's a culmination of everybody's input that has... Um, eventually helped me to make a right change but also I had an experience that would freak out most people. Thank you for sharing your story thank you for giving us an insight into who you are what you was and who you've become um, and I just hope that that it can help make people think about who they are. Just just one bit of advice. What advice would you give to a young Lennox Rogers today if you were sitting in front of yourself when you were 12 years old? I would show him the path that he's going down 
and um, show him the path that he could have if he was to make a different choice. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. If you've listened to this episode on any of the podcast players that allows you to rate and review, please rate and review. We need your support. And please subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. This podcast was produced by Your Vision Media Limited, original music by J. Rowe Productions, design work by Studio Minerva and myself, Raphael Rowe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.